One, two, three. Hallelujah! Man, powerful, man. I'm telling you. I, let's all be seated. I, I, I would say, I don't know how y'all do it, but I do know how you do it. Amen. It's, you got angels. You bring your angels with you on Wednesdays. I'm going to tell you this, though. Just bring, tell your angel you need to go with me on Sunday, too. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Well, let, let's all be seated and let's uh, get ready for the word. And uh, God's got some good stuff in, in store for us. Amen. Praise God. We've been, uh, you know, making, making steady progress. You guys came tonight and you saw, you know, you saw the wall over there. And so stuff is, is moving. It's happening. And then we're getting used to things. We're trying to adjust with lighting. And I tell you, it's a lot brighter in here on Sundays. Boy, that's because those skylights we got. Amen. But, you know, we're, we're getting better. So we thank God for that. Let's pray before we get into the word. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, for blessing us, Lord, blessing us to be here tonight. Thank you for giving us yet another opportunity to sit at your feet and to receive fresh rhema from heaven. I bind the work of the devil right now in the name of Jesus, that there be no distractions, but that your word would go forth and accomplish that which you've sent it to. We thank you, Lord, and we surrender to the power of the Holy Ghost now in Jesus' name. Amen. Church said amen. Praise God. All right. All right. All right. Look at your name and say, get your Bible out. Okay. Wednesday night. Man, Wednesday night is like a, you know, it's a challenge. To get here, but it's a training time. It's time to train. Um, and, and God's got some good stuff for us. Amen. We're going to get into this tonight and go as far as God will take us. Amen. We can't limit God, right? Say, so don't, don't limit God. Just say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let God do whatever he wants. And he can take me as far as he wants to take me. Amen. I'm one that's willing to go. Amen. Praise God. All right. Well, uh, I want to preach this message tonight entitled Faith, the Size of a Mustard Seed. Faith, the Size of a Mustard Seed. We always preach on faith on um, Wednesday nights. We call it Faith Academy. And, you know, we know that God has great things in store for us. And and everything that you get from God, you're going to receive it by faith. And a lot of times things won't make sense to you. Uh, if you think about it, does salvation even make sense? Does it even, you know, think about amazing grace. Does amazing grace even make sense? You know, amazing grace to save the wretch like me. I mean, it doesn't even make sense that we used to be so far away from God and now we're with him. And now we can live a life that's totally different than anything we've lived in the past. Amen. And so... We have faith and we exercise it a lot, but we just got to learn more about it so that we can be more proficient in what God is calling us to do. And so faith the size of a mustard seed. Now, as we start out, I'll help us to focus on the fact that it's quality and not quantity. Amen. It's quality and not quantity. And, you know, it don't make any sense to have a big old feast. Amen. How many of y'all ever just, you know had a somebody just you win this a big old feast a whole bunch of food but it wasn't good oh, i can't get amen right there they say man they made that big old plate for you and and they forgot to season it see i'd rather have me a smaller plate come on somebody that's good that's got some good stuff in there instead of just having all this Come on, y'all have been some places where it seemed like, man, what did they forget? I mean, oh man, me and my wife, we, we experienced that. Uh, we went to a place and there was, you know, one of her family members on her dad's side, but we saw some stuff and we said, man, this looks good. But um, yeah, so some stuff was missing. <laughs> but praise the Lord. Well, it's quality. So when it comes to faith, See, sometimes people think I can't do anything big for God until I get this big old faith. You know, I got to be like a a Bible man or I got to have all this stuff. But that's not the way faith works. It's not the size of the faith. It's the quality. And really a word that you can um, put in there is P, 
pure faith. And so if something is pure versus something that is watered down, right? Something that is pure. Some, I'm thinking of all this old school stuff, but how many of y'all used to drink Kool-Aid? Come on, they had, I think they had to stop making Kool-Aid because I don't think, <laughs> that little pack, right? Y'all remember the little pack? The little pack, now, it was sour. That stuff does not taste good. But you put it in there, and then what happened? You put a whole bunch of sugar, amen? <laughs> we used to put so much sugar up in that Kool-Aid. Well, you know what? I don't even know why I got on Kool-Aid, but I'm thinking, I'm just thinking about all this old school stuff, but you don't, you don't want to, you know, um, that, that Kool-Aid would change the color, but it was all that sugar coming in there that brought you to flavor, right? Well, when we think about our faith and, and, you know, what can God do with pure faith? You know, something that is pure versus something that is watered down. Well, God can do a lot. And, and I'm going to help you with this message because in order for our faith to be pure, we don't, it doesn't, our faith being pure is not dependent upon how long we've been in church. Amen. Come on. There are people that got saved yesterday and they're believing for miracles today. I mean, they, they never learned to doubt God. That's just one part that they skipped. A lot of this doubting comes through church. A lot of this doubting comes through religion. A lot of this doubting comes through people getting comfortable with this Christianity. But we ought to keep the same level of desperation that we had in the beginning. When you knew that there was no other way but God, you need to always stay like that. And so go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 17. We'll go 14 through 21 in the King James. And I'm, I'm going to uh, continue to teach you and help you to grow in your faith. And so it's, you know, we know his disciples right now. Think about this, his disciples. The disciples of Jesus were with Jesus a lot. And so wouldn't you like to be with Jesus a lot? Think about that. If Jesus was walking on the earth and you found out that Jesus was down the street, you'd be trying to get down the street, wouldn't you? Amen. You found out everywhere Jesus was, you'd be following him. And that's what people were doing. Well, his disciples were with him. But they were close, right? So they were in close proximity, and so they saw a lot of stuff. Well, there was an expectation that Jesus had of them, and he has that expectation of us. It's like, you're seeing all this, and I want you to know I'm not doing this in front of you just so you can give me a, an applause. I'm doing this so you can see what you can do. And this is what Jesus was doing. And so, and when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and a disciple is a pupil, a follower. That's what a disciple is. I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless. Now, I want you to get this. Uh, in my Bible, it's in red. It's Jesus talking. But Jesus is not talking to the man who came to him bringing his son. When he says, O faithless and perverse generation, he is not talking about that man. He's holding nothing against that man because he didn't have expectations of that man. He had expectations of his disciples. And so he says, oh, faithless and perverse generation, speaking of those disciples, how long shall I be with you? You see that? And so they're like, you're, Jesus is thinking, man, you guys are following me around. You're seeing everything I do. When are you going to believe that you can do the same thing? That, that's the message that he was trying to get across. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer? Next verse. Um, you. So maybe how long I'm going to put up with you? That's what he's really talking about. Bring him to me. Next verse. And Jesus, what he do? Come on, just we're in here. We can freely talk at church. What he do? He rebuked the devil. Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him. So he rebuked the devil, gave him a command to come out. 
and the, and the devil came out and the child was cured from that very hour. Next verse. Then certain, I mean, excuse me, then came the disciples of Jesus apart and said, why? Basically, they came on the side privately. How come we couldn't cast them out? And look at this answer. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, man, because of your unbelief. Now, there are some unbelieving believers in our world today. They'll believe in God for heaven, but they won't believe God for what God says he wants us to believe. You'd be surprised as to how many people no longer believe in miracles. They no longer believe in laying hands on the sick. They no longer, they surely don't believe in casting out no devil. That's a problem. That is a problem because this is something that was supposed to be a core fundamental belief. Just like we believe in the Trinity, right? Christians believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? And these three are one, amen? That's what we believe as Christians. Well, that's, we would call that a fundamental belief. Well, I will tell you that there's also another fundamental belief that many people have strayed away from. That fundamental belief is being able to lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. And here goes another one that's become controversial and speak in tongues. These are things that are character traits of brand new believers. But yet, so many churches today don't, they don't believe in it. They don't, you know. And so, uh, sometimes people ask you, you know, well, what, you guys, what do you guys do? So it's almost like if you, if you engage in spiritual things, then it's weird. But how many know the Spirit's not weird? There's nothing weird about the Holy Spirit. Amen. What's weird is a Christian trying to live without him. That's what's weird. What's weird is somebody trying to live, save, and not surrendering to the Holy Ghost. That's weird. And so, as we continue here, Jesus said unto them, unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. So what is he saying? It's not how many Bible verses you know. It's not how much faith or how many times you go to church. It's if it's pure, if you can just believe me. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed. A mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds ever, but yet it grows into something mighty. Well, you shall, if you had that little bit of faith, you shall say unto this mountain, be removed hence to a yonder place, and it shall, does it say shall or might? It shall be removed, and then what's that next word say? And nothing so what's, what's outside of nothing? So then if he says nothing shall be impossible, so, so what is impossible for me? Come on, what's impossible for you? What is impossible for word of life? Nothing. Ah, see, if we would just believe in Jesus, if we would believe in what we really signed up for, we would not consider things to be impossible. Because we'd be open to God doing miraculous things and then we would be working along with God. See, we work along with God by agreeing. When he says something like, uh, you're going to get a new building. And then we have to agree, right? And I mean, sometimes, you know, you just got to sit back. and Even you guys, you guys are here. Sometimes you got to sit back and say, wait, wait, what? We really did move, huh? Come on, you just, sometimes you got to say, man, we really did move. Wow, we really, that, that's really our place. Come on. We really, that, that is really our place. We really got that, those tall ceilings. We got all that stuff. Man, we really got that. Come on, y'all. But now, do y'all remember when we were talking about it? We, we didn't see it. But I obeyed. See, faith will cause you to obey and just do what God says, and then he handles the rest. See, faith is not me 
helping God. Faith is me agreeing with God and just doing what God says and then letting God take over, letting God be God. Amen. That that is what faith is really about. And so if I think about this, if I understand, okay, it's not the quantity, but it's the quality. So I really got to believe God. I just want to believe God. I want to believe God for, you know, something and not doubt. Look at your name and say, don't doubt. See, don't doubt. Now, unbelieving believers, they doubt. So they'll say they believe God, but then they doubt. How do, how do we know they doubt? Their words come out that are not faith. Their actions are not faith. They, every, they have to, everything has to be proven to them before they'll do anything. That's not faith. And so he says, if you would just have this small amount of faith, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Next verse. And he says, how be it this kind goes out, not but by prayer and fasting. And so what people think is, oh man, that means if I pray and I fast, I can cast out devils. No, that's not what he's saying. He's emphasizing the importance. Prayer and fasting is something that is intended to draw you closer to God. And so Jesus was letting it be known. He was articulating to them that they needed to be free of these distractions. Sometimes in your life, God may call you into a fast or something because you have too many distractions. You got too many things going on and you need some time with him. Amen. And so this is what he was letting them know. You, you can't do this type of stuff if you're not flowing in this level of intimacy with me. And that's what he was really emphasizing there. And so if we look at the fact that there are unbelieving believers, so that they're here in our world today, but they were here in the, this uh, context of scripture. The disciples, they believed in Jesus. Would you guys agree? Think about it. The disciples that were with him, they would have never followed him if they didn't believe in him. They believed in him, but they didn't believe in the power he had given them. And that's where the problem is today. People believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the power that he gives. And so they believe in Jesus, but then they let everything overlord them. But he says, I give you power over it all. But yet there are so many people in bondage to so many things, but yet they believe in Jesus. Amen. We can't keep it like that. That ain't what God wants us to, that he does not want us to live that way. And so they believed in Jesus, but they didn't believe in the power he had given to them. Now go to Luke. It's not the power that he was going to give. He gave this power. Come on, I'm helping you understand right now. The fact that you got saved, that opens you up to power. Amen. It is you're not going to have to go to a revival somewhere or be saved for 20 years before you get some power. You got power on the first day you say yes to Jesus. I'm talking about somebody could be demon possessed. Come up to the altar, that devil gets cast out, that person goes free, and they could be free from then on. But, I, you know, but Pastor, I don't know, that seems kind of, and that's where people are. They overthink the simplicity of God. And so, as a result, we don't have the manifestations of God's goodness that we should be having in our lives. And so um, Luke ten nineteen, he says, behold, I give unto you power. And so he's 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 saying that he says, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all. What's all mean? So like what power does the devil have over you? No, there's got to be something. He got one little secret thing he's got against you or something. There's one, there's got to be an area you can't whoop him in. Well, he says, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing. Now, what, what's nothing mean? I mean, we just making this real elementary tonight. Nothing what? 
nothing shall by any means. So let me help you understand what that says. Nothing, that means no thing. Nothing that exists. Amen. And by no means. So it has no way to hurt you. Now, what if you thought that in your mind? What if you really received that in your heart? Nothing can hurt me. You'd be walking around here talking about, I can't be defeated. I don't know what y'all worried about, but I'm, I'm unstoppable. Oh, well, what about this? What about that? That don't apply to me. Come on. Somebody ought to, you ought to tell people a bad economy don't affect me because I'm connected to the kingdom. Amen. Come on. You ought to tell people that sickness and disease don't affect me because I'm connected to the kingdom. I'm connected to the source of healing virtue. Amen. If you understand you're connected to the source, it's flowing freely. Oh, this might uh, mess with y'all's religion, but you'll get so close to God. You don't even have to pray to be healed no more. Oh, y'all didn't even, y'all didn't even hear me. You get so close to God, you don't even have to pray to be healed no more because healing virtue is flowing from heaven effortlessly. All you got to do is believe. See, if I start to believe, then now I can be connected. I can receive. I, listen, and just because you might feel a certain way, how many know that might be factual, but truth always overrides facts. And so what you got to do is get connected to the truth. The truth is by his stripes, you are healed, not you're going to be healed. You are. But the devil wants to block you from receiving. So he wants to make you become an unbelieving believer. I believe in Jesus. But, see, there's, there cannot be any buts. See, that mustard seed faith is faith without buts. Nothing cancels it out. God said it, you believe it, and that sells it. And that's the way you live. And you just keep living that way forever. So the disciples, they were unbelieving believers because he already gave them power. So I'm going to give you power over. Now, if he gave them power over that devil, how come they couldn't cast the devil out the boy? Because they doubt it. Amen. Go to John 14, 12. Y'all think Jesus was a liar? So if he said it, it was true. It was going to happen. And so what does he say? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me. What does that mean? Goes to Bible college? No, just believes on me. He that believes on me, the works that I do. Now, Jesus cast out that devil out of that boy with one prayer. You got people today coming up with a chain of prayers, coming up with a chain of stuff to try to. You ain't got to come up with no chain of prayers. You ain't got to pray no 10 prayers to get a breakthrough. Amen. You got to have the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. It's got to be released from you in faith. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these, what shall he do? Because I go unto my father. Now, how could he say that? Because he was going to give them the superpower. Come on, somebody. He said, you're going to do greater works than these because I'm going to my father. A lot of people don't understand. There's a lot of truth in that last part because I go unto my father. Because he said, when I go, what am I going to do? I'm going to send the comforter. Come on, somebody. I'm going to send the paracletos. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. And he will teach you all things. He will fill you and empower you and now you'll be able to do greater. Man. Man, I, you got to be going to church for at least 30 years to get this. Sometimes new believers do more than old believers. Because they ain't been believing long enough to doubt. Sometimes people that have been Going to church for so many years, they learned how to doubt. They didn't got around some preachers and some worse than preachers. They didn't got around some church folks. Some of the worst people are your are your religious kinfolk. The folks that you know that are supposed to be saved. Some of your greatest opposition is coming from them. You try to start, especially if you come out here talking about some of the stuff I preach. I guarantee you, you're going to ruffle 
some religious feathers. You're going to have some religious people say, wait, what? No, I don't know about all that. See, they don't know about all that. You know what I'm saying? But if we start to understand we got power and this power is not hard to get. It just must be received. Now, how I many of you guys think if Jesus said it, then you're OK with it? Amen. Now, it's one thing if I'm just telling you. What. I think I say Pastor Troy says this. Now, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. And so if it, he said it, then we need to believe it. And so greater works. So if we believe we can do these greater works now. But we're going to have to believe not just in Jesus, but we got to believe in the power that he gives us. Now, go to Second Timothy, Second Timothy three, five, three and five. And we'll go King James and NLT. Praise God. So now. This is a good chapter to read on your own, but just start in verse five. But he's coming up to all these indications as to help us understand we're in the last days. And this stuff's going to be happening in the last days. And it's going to be talking about people are disobedient to their parents and, you know, all this type of stuff. It's all going on. But this is something here, this verse five, that's very important. And it's very uh, crucial that we identify with it and that we not fall into this category. He says there will be people having a form of godliness, that form of godliness. They're referring to piety, which is religion, true religion, having a form of religion, but denying the power thereof. And so they have a form of godliness. And so they know how to act like, you know, church people act. Man, you know, if I really paid attention to church people, I wouldn't be saved. I'm just going to tell you the truth. If I really would, the type of person I am, if I would have been paying attention to church people, I wouldn't be saved. Because I don't do well with fake people. I don't do, I'm just not good at that. I'm not fake. I'm, I'm, if you see me today, you see me, some of y'all been knowing me for a long time. I ain't changed much. And I don't really have that type of fake filter. I can't put that thing on. Well, church people, somehow they master that fakeness. I'd have met, it seemed like I met more fake people in my life after I got saved. And then, you know what's really crazy? I met the bulk of fake people when I became a pastor. I say, man, there are some people that's talking one thing and walk in another. But that ought not be. That's not what God has in store for us. And so people having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And then there's a warning. This is from such turn away. So what does that mean? You, you're supposed to stay away from them. Let's look at this in the NLT now. They will act religious. Come on, you, you met anybody like that? They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Now, let me help you with this. You can't become godly on your own. You can't stop anything. You can't start anything. You really can't be effective in the kingdom on your own. But you can be effective in religion. But the devil is very patient, and that's how he catches people slipping. He'll always just wait to the right opportunity. And then there you go. Mr. Uh, do right. Mr. Act right. Got caught slipping. Because trying to do it on their own. But when you receive the power. So what he's telling us here is they act religious, but they will reject the power that will make them godly. You know, it's the Holy Ghost that makes you godly. You, you not doing this or that is not what makes you godly. It is the spirit of God that is in you. But yet so many people reject the spirit of God. So many people reject the leading of the spirit because it doesn't make sense to them. Amen. But it's the spirit of God 
that is going to make you godly. Now, God releases heaven's power. I'm talking about heaven's power. God, now, see, a lot of people talk about going to heaven, but they never learn about the power that comes from heaven. That's why Jesus said, this is the way I want you to pray. Thy kingdom come, right? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, God releases heaven's power through the Holy Spirit. He releases heaven's power through the Holy Spirit. Go to 2 Corinthians now. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. You see that? Now that spirit is what? Capitalized, right? That S is capitalized. That is talking about the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens. A person gets saved. What does that mean? You repent of your sins. You say, Jesus, I'm yours. Forgive me. I give my life away. You do that. And then now he gives you his Holy Spirit. Now the spirit of the Lord. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. There is liberty. So there is freedom. And so what can bind the spirit of God? Anything? Come on. What about drugs? What about pornography? What about uh, anger, you know, aggression? It's no match for the Holy Ghost. Well, why do you think the devil is so busy about trying to keep people in a place where they act religious, but they deny the power that can make them godly? Because he knows he can't defeat the Holy Ghost. So he want to keep you away from that Holy Ghost. He want to keep you from yielding to that Holy Ghost. He want to make you think that spiritual things are weird. But it's that power. And now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Let's look at this in Amplified, Amplified Classic. Liberty, man, that that's now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Emancipation from bondage, freedom. So that's like you don't have to be a slave anymore. You are free to go. Amen. Now, sometimes people don't know what to do with that. God says, you're free to go. We said, wait, what? Yeah, you're free to go. Free to go from where? Oh, yeah, you're free to go. You're free right now to leave depression. You're free right now to leave addiction. Come on, you're free right now to leave low self-esteem. You can just leave. You can just walk out on it right now. You're free right now to leave fear. But sometimes people say, really? Yeah, because whom the Son makes free is free indeed. Whom the Son makes free is really free, is truly free. But you must be willing to receive that freedom and then just don't follow yourself, follow the Holy Ghost. So you say, okay, I'm walking out of this bondage. God, now, I don't know where I'm going. You're going to have to lead me, but I'm walking out of my comfort. I'm walking out of my comfort zone. See, people sometimes have unholy alliances with things. They have an unholy alliance with the things that they're dependent upon. Some people have an unholy alliance to where they are, instead of leaning on the Lord, they've been trained and manipulated to lean on people, to lean on medication, to lean on everything except God. Now I'm going to tell you right now, when you're leaning on the things that you can provide, the Holy Ghost ain't in that. So when you start leaning on him, you start getting into some waters that you can't swim in. But that's a good place to be because I get out there swimming where I can't swim. He going to have to swim for me. And now I can go to levels that I never thought were possible. And so if we are emancipated, so emancipation from bondage, totally set free now. The reason that God does is God sets us free. But the reason he sets us free is so that we can help others go free. Amen. 
And, and this is a key thing that you need to learn about Christianity. Christianity is all about giving it away. But you can never outgive God. And so the way this works is you give and then you receive. You give, you receive. That You can't stop God from giving to you when you give. And so that's why you get power. I told you guys, to whom much is given, much is required. You come to this church, you listen to me, you watch me online. It doesn't matter. You're going to get way too much word to get a pass. And so now you're going to have to do something with the word you're receiving, right? And so what you need to be doing is giving it away. So you need to be making yourself available to be used by God to give it away. But now, remember, the disciples were unbelieving believers. So they believed in Jesus, but they didn't believe in the power that he gave them. So some people today, they're not giving away because they don't believe in the power that God has given them. I can say things to you like, you're just as anointed as I am. And so I can preach a word. You could take what you learned tonight and go preach it tomorrow. Well, what do you mean? I'm trying to be Pastor Troy. No, you're not. You just going out there giving away what you got. Now, if you do that, you know what you're going to get more of? You're going to get more word, more anointing, more thing, more of the kingdom. Thing. But what if you don't do it? Well, if you say, oh, no, I just, well, you know, I'm just not really comfortable talking to people. I don't know if I'm, I'm called to that. See? Now you become an unbelieving believer. Because you believe in Jesus, but you don't believe in the power he said he gave you. Now, he is giving it to you, and there's nothing that he will tell you to do that he will be depending on you to do it. All he needs you to be is available. So if he tells you to do it, you don't need to know how to do it. You just need to be available. All you need to do is say, yes, Lord. And I'm telling you, man, he'll pray through you. Come on, somebody. He'll speak through you. I don't know if you've had this experience where you're witnessing to somebody and you're like, wow. Later on, you say, man, I didn't even know I knew all that. That just seemed like some of y'all, come on, you ever been out there witnessing where you wish you had recorded it? I said, man, I, I was, I was bringing it, but what, I can't remember what I said. <laughs> That's because he was flowing through you. That's the way this whole kingdom is set up. It's all about that. And so um, he sets us free so that we can help others go free. Now, God's power cannot be contained. It must be released. God's power cannot be contained. It must be released. I am one of those people. I'll lay hands on a stranger. If you've been with me on outreach, you know, I don't I'm a. I want to make some contact because I got to release the anointing, man. I got to release the anointing because I need more anointing. And God just flows freely. Go to Matthew 10, 8, Matthew 10, 8. Matthew 10, 8. And so Jesus is, is given a command. He says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Cast out devils. Y'all see that? Just basic instructions. <laughs> we, give them, we give them some different basic instructions these days. We just say, uh, just try to be a good person. Just, just try to be nice. No, how about these other instructions? Heal the sick. Cleanse lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. And then what does he say? Freely you have received. Now freely give. That's the exchange. God is not asking you to give something you don't have. That's why, you know, people that are afraid of money, they're scared of, uh, all of a sudden, well, I can't give because, you know, God will never ask you to give something that he's depending on you to give. He wants you to have a heart to give and then he'll give it to you to give. He never wants us to give from a dry place. Same thing with the anointing. You know, God doesn't need me uh, to be a, uh, a Bible scholar or something to, to know how to preach. He doesn't need me to have some type of scripture memorization program that I do. He don't need that. 
He just needs me to receive from him and give it away. And that's why I like preaching. And there's a, that's why we preach on Wednesday night. We say, Pastor, well, it seems like some of the members, they just don't come. Well, what that got to do with me? I'm getting, I, I got to keep my anointing flowing. Amen. I can't just be preaching once a week. I got to preach again. I got to release it. And so now freely you have received. Now what? Freely give. Now go to Mark. And so this is not just talking about the disciples. This is all of us. Now you guys know this as a great commission. I preach on it all the time. But Mark 16, 15 through 18, King James. Then he said unto, unto them, go. So where are we going? He says, into all the world. So, so look at your name and say, where you been? You got to go somewhere. Come on. You, listen, you need to be able to look at that and say, well, I'm going. You know, you getting up, getting ready to go. You might be going to work, but you got to go. You got to go with that commission. You got to go with that mandate. Go ye into all the world and what? Preach. That does not mean you just have to be at, uh, you know, think about this. I got you on Wednesday and Sundays. You come and listen to me preach. Most of the time I preach for like an hour. But how many hours you got in your week? So it seems like there's more opportunity for you to preach than for me to preach. Because I only got you for an hour. Amen. And so this is how the gospel spread. It was not just for us to come. Now, see, now church is turned into a training center. You should be coming here and you should be learning something. You should start to believe it. And then you say, man, I'm shoot. I'm armed and dangerous. I'm about to go up in here, man. I might mess around and lay hands on somebody at Walmart. I think I saw somebody in the parking lot. <laughs> come on. You, but then if you believe in the power you got and what a God tells you, go lay hands on him, will you do it? Or will you say, well, what if nothing happens? What if Jesus would have said that? What if Jesus would have said that to the man who was sitting by the pool? What if he said, well, I I don't want to get him because what if he don't get? Jesus never said, what if he don't get up? What if Peter would have said that when he grabbed a man that was you know, over there begging at the temple and told him to get up. What if he would have said, well, what if he don't? See, it's not about what if. There is no what if when you got the mustard seed faith. See, the mustard seed faith is without the what if. It's just, that's what you said, that's what I'm going to do. And you don't even think about results. Results are up to God. That ain't even up to me. The obedience is up to me, amen? I, I have the opportunity to obey. And if I obey God, then God's power will flow. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that what? Just believe that's it. That's all you got to do. But some people say, well, I don't speak in tongues and I don't do all that type of stuff. I just, I just don't. But what does he say here? And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. So if somebody said, I believe in you, Jesus. If you ever said, I believe in you, Jesus, then I'm telling you right now, you got the power to cast out devils. But then the question is, do you believe it? So he says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. I don't believe in speaking in tongues. Wait, but what does it say, though? Now, you know, you get around some religious people, they're going to try to water that down. They're going to say, no, no, that tongue's right there. That, That ain't talking about speaking in the spirit. That's talking about, you know, some new languages. Well, what new languages? Is it Chinese or what is it? What new language did he? He don't specify, right? What is it? You gonna speak with new? Does that say tongues? Then the other translations they try to take that tongue out. 
the tongues out. They try to make it new language, new speech patterns, new whatever. So my question is for, for people that believe along that way, okay, if that's what happened, then how come you still talking the same way you was talking before you got saved? Because most people that believe like that are not changed. They didn't got saved and they ain't changed a bit. They're still speaking the same stuff. They're still speaking the same doom and gloom. They're still speaking the same sickness and disease. They're still speaking lack and spill, still speaking that lack of faith. They're still speaking the same thing that they were speaking before they met Jesus. So where's your new language? Oh, it just means I'm going to speak a new way. No, because if that was the case, everybody would be speaking a new way. It's talking about Holy Ghost power. It's talking about speaking in tongues. But now a lot of people don't do it because they don't have faith for it. They say, I don't make any sense. And that's why it's so important. Because what you need to do as quick as possible with God is get into what doesn't make sense. Get in there as, as fast as you can. There's, there's this room that is a slow road, a, a slow road up, a religious way up. There's that room. And then there's... I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going for it. I say, go to that room. Go in that room where I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going for it. And because then you're going to go fast. And, and, you know, I used to be like that with tongues. I was too analytical. I said, this, I'm not, this doesn't make any sense. I'm just, you guys are trying to get me to just make up some words. I'm not trying to be making up no stuff. I'm, you know... But God came upon me in his power and I, and I just, it came down to me, it came down to an obedience. God said, you know, and then when they were praying for me, they said, you're going to hear some words. Just say them. I did. I heard some words and I tried to talk myself out of it. I said, that ain't, that, that's a mumbo jumbo, man. You know, think about it. You don't even know how to make up no tongues. But but yet we but yet we say it's made up. You don't know how to make that. How you gonna make it up? You can't even spell it. So how you gonna make it up? Right? You just gotta release. You gotta trust God. Now this is new believers. Next verse, verse eighteen. They shall take up serpents, and you know there's been some videos out of people like playing with snakes and stuff. I'm just telling you that ain't. You, don't be messing around with that. You know, that's not that's not really the emphasis there. Now, you're not supposed to be playing with snakes and doing stuff like because the Holy Ghost can tell you, put the snake down. I ain't tell you, I ain't tell you to pick that snake up and put that snake around your neck. You know what I'm saying? You're trying to prove something, right? No. If God wants you to mess with snakes, he'll have you grab it and turn it into a pole like he did Moses. So, but what this is saying is, even serpents and things like that, because there was, you know, a lot of that practices and witchcraft and all this snake stuff. And and it's emphasizing that you got power over it all. But don't take that today and just say, I'm going around finding snakes. Don't do that. Take, it, they shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And so what you want to grab from this is you can't be poisoned. So it doesn't matter. It, it, you, you it'll say that's some poisonous water. No, if God told you to drink it, you're going to be fine. You just got to listen to him. They drink anything, deadly things shall not hurt them. Uh, and they shall what? Lay hands on the sick. And what's going to happen to the sick? Oh, but they, you know, see, they would have recovered, but they don't have any faith. But see, the real issue is, do we have faith? The one laying the hands on the person. Because there are going to be a lot of people that actually become believers after they got healed. But that they never get to experience that if we don't take first step and lay hands on them ourselves. Amen. And so this is not for special people. This is just believers. And I want you to understand this as we get ready to close inactivity. So I want to get you guys excited. Not, not that you got to go, okay, I'm carrying my Bible. I'm going to get somebody. I'm going to see somebody, man. Somebody going to get it. Somebody getting the word today. You don't have to do that. You just make yourself available. Holy Ghost, here I am. Oh yes. Use me, whatever. And how many of you guys experienced some divine appointments? Yeah. 
where it's like there's no way you could have planned it. That's because you made yourself available to be used by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so now all you need to do is go out with that as your intention. But just understand this inactivity hinders the flow of the anointing. And so if you are inactive, so basically this means use it or lose it. So that's what happens, right? With people, with the body, if you're not using this body, it begins to atrophy, right? Your muscles, if you don't use them, all of a sudden they start going the wrong way. Well, that's the way the anointing is. If you don't use it, then you'll lose it. And so inactivity hinders the flow of anointing, of the anointing. And so what you got to do is believe in the power. Now, how many of you right now, you're listening to me, you're here tonight, you're online, but you believe right now that you got power flowing in you that can cast out a devil. How many of y'all believe that you have power flowing in you that can heal the sick? And if you believe in that power, now you got to walk in that power. How many of you say, I'm not afraid to walk in that power? See, you have to walk in the power. And then as you do that, you will attract more power. And then God will use you to make changes in the earth. This world is going to get better because we're here. Let me help you with this. We're not losing, church. We are winning, amen, because we serve a God who is undefeated. If you believe in that and you believe he's working in, you go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap tonight, amen. (laughs) Praise God, hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to close in prayer. I said I want to try to do this and, and, and be a little bit earlier. So we, we're doing better. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for meeting us here tonight. Thank you for the truth. We know your truth prevails over everything. We're not going to fight it. We're going to resist the devil and he will flee. And we're going to draw nigh to you and you'll draw nigh to us. Maybe you're watching this right now and you don't know Jesus as Lord. We want to invite you into this family. This is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. Giving your life away. Church, let's repeat this prayer so that anyone who hears this message will know how to receive Jesus as Lord. Repeat after me. Jesus, please forgive me for all of my sins. I commit my life into your hands. This day, I am saved. Do with me as you please and fill me with the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap for the Lord. Amen. Praise God.